you are listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. I'm Elena Paventa, Executive Communication Coach and TEDx Organizer. With each episode, I'll share with you communication tips and ideas from top business leaders to help you excel in your career. Welcome, welcome to the next episode of Ideas and Leaders podcast. Today, my guest is Steve Kitt. He's a number one international best-selling author. He's a business coach. He helps people to actually become best-selling author. And he just published his 20th book. And I'm so excited to speak to him about how to become best-selling author today. Hi, Steve. It's great to have you on Ideas and Leaders. Hi, thanks for having me today. I really appreciate you having me here. So, uh, Steve, can you tell us a little bit about your journey in the beginning? How did it happen that you became a best-selling author and a coach to other best-selling authors? So, um, you know, I mean, I've been in the marketing space and sales my whole life. I literally started selling when I was five years old. Um, started my marketing company in 1988 when I was about 19 or 20 years old. Um, and we were early adopters in the internet space. Um, in fact, actually, it was before we called it the internet. So <laughs> quite a while ago, we did our first, I, I published the first book that I worked on in 2007 um, and, uh, and then started using it as part of the marketing company to help the clients that I had really advance themselves. I discovered really quickly that you never really can maximize the marketing, the potential, um, if you're not a best-selling author. So I absolutely uh, added that in. And then, um, you know, in 2000, late 2015, we beta tested it. 2016, rolled out a program so that anybody that has an idea or even just wishes they could, we can help them write publish and market their books to bestseller. And now since then, there's literally thousands of people that I've worked with to help them become bestselling authors. I have a hundred percent success rate um, over literally thousands. And I, in fact, guarantee that if you work with me, you will be a bestseller. Wow. Wow. So it's really, I'm really excited to speak to you about that because I know that you have all those tools, how to become a bestselling author, but still uh, I'm interested, why is it so important? You told that it helps to maximize your marketing potential. So in what way becoming a best-selling author can help you to to, to become better in, in business, to grow your sales maybe? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, number one is people buy from people that they know, like, and trust. Um, and so getting to know you, we can do that with social media. They can get to know who you are if you're willing to be genuine, authentic, and vulnerable. Um, they can even from there begin to like you even beyond the stage of hitting the like button on a social media. They can actually genuinely want to hear what you have to say next. But trust is something that comes typically from what other people say about you. Um, and so if you think like, for example, when you go into your doctor's office, uh, the fact that they're doctor so-and-so, you immediately trust that they must know something about medicine. Now, very rarely do we interview our doctors and say, you know, where did you go to medical school? How did you graduate? What kind of grades did you get? You know, we just trust and believe that they, uh, they know their stuff. And, uh, you know, the same is really true. Best-selling author is really a credential that is the business equivalent 
um, or even in life equivalent of becoming a doctor, maybe not necessarily quite as hard as becoming a doctor, but it really has that level of, in fact, best-selling author is the number one influencer credential that you can earn in the world today. Wow. So yeah, it definitely gives you more credibility when we can see that someone is a book author and has a bestseller say, wow, so this, uh, this person is really credible, but um, what, what is basically bestseller? So how do you define it and what, what do we need to do to actually get this title? Absolutely. Uh, when I talk about bestsellers, I'm always talking about Amazon's bestseller ranking. Amazon is the only system that I know that is statistically driven, meaning that if your book's number two and another book's at number three, your book sold more copies than that other book did. Now, keeping in mind that Amazon statistics update hour by hour, so that means you're sold more in that hour than another book sold in that hour. There's a whole lot of other nuances to the algorithm, but simply put, Amazon wants to show people what books are selling the best right now today. Um, and so it isn't necessarily a massive number as much as it's that hour and what's happening in that hour. And so to that end, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about, you know, Amazon has a list of bestsellers in each of their categories, and you can look that up on Amazon anytime you want to. Um, and that's really what we're looking at, you know, rather than say, for example, a New York Times bestseller, which is just an editorial of information that they've gotten. And then they say, this is from our opinion, what the bestsellers or the best books you should get is. Um, so we're, we're always talking about Amazon when we're talking about the bestseller. Yeah. So I, I, I want to get to this bestselling part, but first um, I wanted to ask on behalf of many of our listeners and myself included so i think that there are a lot of people uh, right there who who have a lot of ideas about their books and they they are very knowledgeable in in certain areas but it is very overwhelming to i have to write the whole book so when you're working with your clients so how do you where do you start how to start uh, without overwhelm so that we can actually write the good book in the first place. Absolutely. That's where working with somebody like me that's done it a million times, well, thousands of times at least, uh, can really help you out. I do strongly suggest that a person uses speaking to write versus the actual writing it out. It can be really intimidating to look at a blank computer screen or a blank piece of paper and try to be articulate, emotional, expressive, and creative all on demand, you know? But when we talk, like you and I are having a conversation right now, if I ask you a question about, especially if I'm asking you a question about your life, tell me about the time you did, um, you know, you can answer that because you lived it. It's your life, right? Same thing is true with writing our book. When we use that power of interview, we can then just simply answer questions. Uh, and then having people like story development editors that can help you figure out where are the holes. Um, you know, you were telling us the story about Aunt Jan, but you didn't finish the story. And now we want to know what happened to Aunt Jan, you know, <laughs> um, all of those different kind of nuances. And then, of course, after that, we can, um, you know, fix the grammar and make sure the commas are in the right place and that kind of stuff. 
Uh, and then I have a graphics team too that'll do your cover for you and all of that kind of stuff. And then of course there's formatting for both ebook and print form. An ebook, you know, you need to be able to read it on your phone or on a whole giant whole wall television and have it look and readjust properly for that, which is much different than just a, you know, a book, which is the way that it's going to be. And so there are different formats for that, but that's kind of the technical process behind the things we do behind the scenes for people so that for you, you can just show up, be you, um, and we can help bring the brilliance of who you are out into the world. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you're helping on many different levels, as I can see. And if I have this book idea and I start using audio as you recommend and start uh, speaking instead of writing, of course, it will be faster. Mm, but also, what do you recommend on structuring the book? On uh, so, so, do you recommend to have the the structure first, the outline, and then start writing, or what? What is usually your strategy? For me, um, the easiest and the best is when the person tries to talk me out of doing their interview because they're not ready yet. Um, We do do some pre-talks about who is your ideal client, what are their needs, what is the things that you do. We can do some of those kind of discussions, but really it's just about having a general idea of what we think we're going to talk about, but then the magic of that interview. Now, keep in mind, I've done literally thousands of them, and I always say, I don't know why God chooses to give us the gifts that he does, but that one is definitely mine, and I really enjoy and love going through that conversation and seeing what comes out sometimes in a, you know, in a good interview process, you think you're going to write a book about this, but you end up actually writing a book about something you hadn't even imagined. Um, and then when you see it, you're like, Oh yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I knew I wanted that I didn't know I want. Wow. So sometimes you, you're actually changing this topic yeah. during, during working with your client. Yeah. And when, if I want to, let's say, do this on my own, right? Uh, I want to to write the book. Do you recommend to just use audio or do, do you recommend to also write something? I mean, before sending it to for proofreader, of course, uh, how, how the, the working process usually looks like? Right. So process-wise, I like to meet with the people first and have a strategy call. In that call, more than anything, what we want to discuss is who's the book for and what do they need? We want to identify that down, preferably to one person. So just like you and I are having a conversation right now, we can talk specifically to each other because we're not trying to talk to a whole room of people. When we talk to everybody, we end up actually speaking to no one. So that's number one. That's where we want to start is who are we talking to? What do they need? And then of the things that I do anyway, what do I do that can help meet that need for them? Um, a lot of times in that process, we come to the realization that the thing that's really our magical, unique brilliance is something that we're so good at that we didn't even think about it when we were trying to contemplate what we were going to write a book about. You know, we just our eyes light up 
our children roll their eyes at us because we say it all the time, you know, those kind of things. Um, it's so easy. It's so basic, so simple for us that we don't think or realize how unique that is. And so a lot of times we need help finding that. And that's what we do in that strategy session. I do actually have a series of six videos that people can watch that kind of helps them make some notes and those kind of things. Uh, now from those six videos, I've had people write their entire book just from there. Um, but whether you do or don't do them, the next step definitely is the interview process. There is uh, essentially four segments to, and I teach it in my signature, write your bestseller in one hour workshop. There are four elements to any book, fiction or nonfiction. They all, they all follow that four step process. Um, and my job is just to walk you through those and get that. Um, and then we take the transcript of that. And like I said, that's what's going to go to the story development editor so that the person can really help you identify where are the gaps? What didn't you tell us? What did you tell us? What needs to be emphasized more and those kind of things. And they help us put together then a document that flows from beginning to end. Um, and that's kind of where we start. And then, like I said, all the other technical things come in after that, once we have a solid content. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Great. I love it when you told about looking for this uh, idea with your clients when their eyes light up. I think that uh, I can relate to this as uh, I work with uh, my clients as I'm a communication coach and TEDx coach. And very often we are kind of looking for for this big idea to speak on a TEDx stage. And people come up with, uh, they come to me and they they say, oh, I want to speak about this. And they come up with some inspirational, some theoretical topic. But then they start speaking about something that is really important for them and really close to them. I say, yes, this, let's speak about this because <laughs> this is the idea worth spreading. So I can totally, totally relate to this. Sometimes, yeah, because sometimes we, we think that, okay, so what we know and what we but it's close to us. It is so obvious. Everyone knows it. But in fact, we are experts in a certain area that others have no idea about, right? So yeah, everyone has this book or many books, bestsellers inside of them. They're carrying it in their head, but uh, we need to, to get them out to the world, right? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So when we have it, when we have the idea, we, we know who is the audience, who we are talking to, we know what we are going to talk about. We have the structure, we have the um, the, the material, we, we do the interviews, as you suggest, that it is more effective and faster way to to do this. So what is the next step after, of course, we are going through the proof reading process and when we actually want to do it right how do we do it uh what is the next step so once we have the content so we know that we have a story that flows from beginning to end fiction or nonfiction, it goes it makes sense from the beginning to the end um and i will pause <laughs> i'll pause there for a second and tell you that most everybody writes an entire book series when they're trying to write one book we have all these ideas, and you were talking about that earlier. That's why I love working with TED speakers is because they've had to get to the place where they can say something in 18 minutes or less. Mm -hmm. 
versus, uh, you know, somebody who does an hour long signature talk and they talk about a lot of times, a lot of things, the power of that, you take one point, you make it really clear and you give them one step from that one point is just huge because that's how we, as people actually do things. We put one foot in front of the other. We take one step and then the next. We learn something, we apply it, and then from there, we look for what's next in our life. So that's really important. And, and a lot of times, uh, before we even get to editing, we, we have to realize, I've written three books. I've written 10 books in what I've got here. Let me break it down. A lot of us have a, uh, you know, because we were taught it, that books need to be a certain length. They need to be great, big, huge, and thick. That actually isn't true. In fact, the only reason why the 350-page book came about was because the publishers discovered that their company could make more money if they made their authors write longer books. Um, and so you end up in a situation where the author isn't, hasn't ever made any more money, but the publishers made a lot of money by making us believe that a book has to be 350 pages. When in point of fact, Amazon statistics have shown that if your book is 100 pages or less, more than 60% of the people that get the book will read it and finish it. When it goes from 101 to 200 pages, that actually drops to less than 20% that actually finish the book. And if it is over 200 pages, it's less than 3% of people that ever even finish the book. And so, again, like with a TED Talk or anything else, typically we're going to give them a next step, an action point, that kind of thing at the end of the book. They never get to the other book. They never get to that next step with us. And so we want to break it down into something really small like that. So that's the next piece is a lot of times we have to winnow down a lot of the, here's everything I want to tell down to the, what do you really need to tell? And then, like I said, then we can bring in a grammar editor who isn't really changing your voice or your tone or your style. They're really just fixing commas, making sure you used there, 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 and the right version of which one of those you meant and that kind of thing. Wow. I, I really love it that we, know, we don't need to write a huge book, very important for our listeners to know, uh, not to be too overwhelmed that uh, actually when we write a book, it doesn't mean that we have to write a huge, long book. It is enough to write 100 page, 150 pages. And actually, myself, I would say that I prefer short books, because I'm sure that I will finish them. I just have a couple of days and then I'm done with this book. I have a call to action. And with long ones, sometimes you stop. Sometimes you don't have time to go through it. Sometimes you start a new book and then you forget to finish the previous one. So uh, absolutely, I really love this point. And uh, also you mentioned the self-publishing and uh, the, the traditional publishing houses. So what what is the difference and what do you think is better? Um, I absolutely recommend to everybody that they use self-publishing on Amazon. Number one, traditional publishers, uh, well, it's really hard to get a contract with them. You know, I mean, we've all seen the movies where the person gets the big advance check, but that doesn't really happen much almost at all these days, unless you're, you know, Oprah Winfrey or Michelle Obama or somebody like that, 
that's really probably not going to happen. But then in addition to that, the other side to it is, is the traditional publisher, they're going to look at your social media. They want to see if you have the capability on a random Tuesday afternoon to post something innocuous. You know, this is what I'm going to go to for lunch and get more than 3,000 people to follow, um, like, and comment to that post. Um, and if you don't have that kind of reach, they don't even want to talk to you as a new author. So that's number one. More importantly than that, though, is uh, traditional publishers, they're going to own the content of your book. They will own at the very, very least 70%. Most of them own 100% of the content, but 70 to 90% for the big authors. I'm talking people who um, are like a Tony Robbins or a Lisa Nichols or a Michelle Obama. That publisher owns the content. Um, think about your favorite fiction book that you've loved your whole life and you wish they made a movie of it, but they never have. The probability is that it's not because the author doesn't want there to be a movie of their book. They probably dreamed of it being a movie. Um, it's because the publisher didn't get the contract that is good for them to make that because it's their property. So that's the most important piece is you really want to own your content because your book is your intro to whatever it is, whether it be TED Talks or a course um, or anything else like that, that's going to be your stepping stone into those. And if you don't own the content, um, then you can't use it without permission of the publisher and they may or may not do it. And they can change their mind and say, well, you know, we were letting you use it, but we don't want to anymore. Um, and it's their content. Um, a friend of mine actually even refers to traditional publishers as loan sharks. You know, that whatever they put out, even if it's just the um, manufacturing process of putting your book out on the shelf, um, they own that content and they will charge you an extreme amount of money to be able to buy that content back from them if you ever can. And of course, the better the book does, the more that they're going to want for you to be able to own the content. So most definitely um, self-publishing in through Amazon, because lastly, Amazon you know, they sell somewhere around 90, 95% minimum of all the books in the whole world that are sold these days. So really, you just want to be best friends with Amazon anyway. And they do def definitely give preferential treatment to books that are on, uh, you know, that are being published through them versus another publishing company. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. So coming to the clue, to the, to the core of what uh, we are discussing here because we are getting to the most uh, important topic is how to actually become a best-selling author so when we know how that we are doing self-publishing we know that how we are uh, having making this book and after this conversation i think that it seems so much easier now that uh, and it, it seems that it is quite easy actually to write a book and to get there but how to become a best-selling author so um you know of course obviously I would say you just need to hire me to do that because that's what I do all day long. Um, but you need to understand that most of what you're doing to make it the bestseller is about two things. Number one is SEO. Amazon is a search engine, just like Google is a search engine. It's just a search engine of people looking to buy things versus looking for information. So that's number one. You have to have all the elements of the, your book the content, all of the, uh, you know, keywords, categories, all of that set up 
so that when somebody searches for your book, they find it. Um, and so that when uh, people buy your book, it, re- it is reflected in the categories that your book is in uh, properly. So that's the number one piece of it. Uh, and then number two is, is you have to be intentional about the launch of your book. Um, most people would tell you, uh, take the next six months to a year and do a pre-launch campaign. Um, those are really effective day one that your book comes out. Um, unfortunately, what happens is, is they take all those sales from that six months and the first day that your book is live, the, the system sees that as though all of those books were purchased that day. So your ranking is going to be wonderful. It's going to be amazing that first day. The problem is, is day two, and it's not exactly day two, it's somewhere in about the fourth or fifth day, but for sake of this discussion, day two, the system goes back and sees all of those sales across the six months or a year that you pre-sold it, and they they uh, balance them back out. And so then the amazing level that your book was at drops back down to where it really was. Um, I'll give you a perfect example in really easy math without going to mathematical geeky on you. Um, a number like 10 sales in an hour, very, very small number. 10 sales in an hour is the algorithmic equivalent to more than 200 in a day, which is algorithmically more than 6,000 in a month, more than 72,000 in a year, which is to say that if you did a one-year pre-launch campaign for your book, you may not ever have an hour where you sold 10 books in that hour. Going back to what we talked about right early on in the conversation, Amazon statistics update and want to show you what is the best seller in this hour. And so if somebody comes in and sells 10 books in an hour and your best hour over the course of that whole year was five, their book is in Amazon's system. Because remember, it's a computer. It's not people looking at it. It's just a computer system. They're like, oh my gosh, this book may have sold 60,000 copies of that book, but they've never had an hour where they did 10. Look how amazing this book is that just did 10 was. Um, So those are some of those kind of nuances that are involved in that. Without explaining to you everything about how Amazon works, that kind of gives you some insight. Yeah, so uh, so so do you suggest that those pre-sales that we often see that oh by uh, my book is out in a couple of months by five books or six books and then you'll get a discount. I mean we see that a lot. And do you think that it, it is not the best strategy uh, because then the sales drop after the first day? Correct. Yes. So there's two ends to that strategy. Um, Lisa Nichols, if you know who Lisa is, um, Lisa did that with Abundance Now. She had a, um, well, it was supposed to be a six-month campaign. It ended up being a year-long campaign because of some nuances of the release. And, um, uh, you know, I won't get into all the details of that, but, um, and she did a very grassroots, very buy 20 of these 20 copies of this book and give it to your friends, get your friends to buy it to go to Barnes and Noble on launch day and ask them for it. And all of that worked very well. Um, there's two things that Lisa did wrong. Number one is, is that uh, Harper Collins put her because they they own the book. They put her in a category that Oprah and Brene Brown launched a book that month in. Mm. So even though Lisa's book literally broke records for going to second printing and third printing with HarperCollins, the largest publisher in the world. Um, 
she wasn't ever going to be statistically above number three because nobody beats Oprah. You know, I mean, ultimately when it comes to marketing, um, you know, but the worst of that whole thing was that then when you start talking about the New York Times bestseller list, which was Lisa's intention for that particular book, um, just so you know, Lisa is actually my youngest daughter's um, mother-in-law. My my youngest daughter is married to Lisa's son, so I. I That's why yeah, you know, know the some, insider. I know some in, in, insider <laughs> stuff a little bit, okay? Um, but uh, you know, the the problem was New York Times when they see grassroots campaigns like that, they don't like those. They count those off. Um, and they won't put you on the bestseller list because they don't, they are really reflecting, did Walmart, Target, Barnes and Noble, large retailers, did they buy copies of the book? And if there aren't large purchases from major retailers like that, they don't see that no matter how many books it actually sold, they don't really see that as being a bestseller and they won't list to the book. So um, that's some of the things you run into with that. You'd be better to spend that six months. Um, well, two things. Number one, if you are going to spend six months before you launch the book, you'd be better to get a group of raving fans that are all going to come together on that day and celebrate and help you with the launch of that book so that everybody just gets it that particular day. It's going to be much more long-term effective for Amazon. Um, and secondly, is going back to something that you actually said earlier, and that's that somebody is waiting on you. When we take six months to a year to put our book out, that means that somebody else is going to spend another six months or a year doing something that they're struggling with, maybe even to the point of where they cry about it, you know, but that's difficult for them. They're going to continue not knowing how to do it better because they don't have the information that's contained in your book. And until you share it, they can't learn know better and do better. Um, and so therefore, that's why I always say bestseller is only the beginning. Bestseller really should be day one. Get your book done as quickly as you can, not so that it's done poorly, but so it's done expeditiously. And then after you get that book out, make it a bestseller immediately and then build all of the marketing things on top of that versus doing all of these things and then launching the book and making people who are in need wait for that answer that they need. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much, Steve, for all of uh, your tips. I see that you're very knowledgeable and uh, in this area, and we could talk for hours and hours about this, I'm sure. So our time is limited on, on the podcast, but I'm sure that uh, you're open uh, for contact from our listeners. So if our listeners want to know more, want to ask more questions about what you do, how, how they can contact you. So I made it really easy for them. I'm going to give you a free gift. <laughs> um, if you go to ongoingwealthguide.com, um, that'll take you right straight to a little checkout that allows you to get that guide for free. Um, you can add for 99 cents the ebook of my new book, Bestseller is Only the Beginning. Uh, onto that, you don't have to, but you want to get that guide for free. And then when you get to the page, you know, the, the thank you page where you can download the guide from, there's also a link there. And I am giving all of your listeners a 15-minute free consultation with me to talk about your book and your marketing and see how I can help you out best.
Great, great. Thank you so much. So we'll definitely put your links uh, to your media and your free gift under our episode so that our listeners can immediately jump there and uh, and get it. Thank you so much, Steve, for being on Ideas and Leaders. It was a pleasure having this conversation and I hope that we will get a lot of bestsellers out of this episode among our listeners of Ideas and Leaders. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your LinkedIn profile and using a hashtag Ideas and Leaders. See you in the next episode.